Good morning from the land of 11 nations, or as everyone else calls it, Wisconsin. The results of Areas 3 runoff election are in, and I'd like to congratulate Shelby Visentine on her victory, and I'd also like to say thank you to Sarisa Rickman for her efforts in running for public office. It is very difficult to put yourself in front of the nation like she did, so I just want to say thank you, and I hope she continues your efforts to help and move our nation forward. The other news was the network issues that affected our entire nation. Thursday, the nation was thrown into disarray as technical issues, issues put our systems down for a lengthy period of time. Our IT crews immediately went to work and have been slowly putting our systems back online. Till we find out what the issues were, uh, what do you say we uh, leave the blame and speculation to, to the side and get on with what we have? Um, dealing with the issue like fixing it. I just want to thank, say thanks to our IT department for their diligent work in dealing with these, these issues. Uh, we'll have plenty of time to uh, share the blame and spread it around as soon as we get back up. Uh, if anyone would like to get in contact with me about sharing information or being on a podcast or, um, hey, you just got something to say and you want to say it to me, you can contact me at moneycuckseek at gmail.com. That's M-A-N-I-K-A-K. S-I-K at gmail.com or you can reach me through the Chipotle Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. On August 24th, Representatives Robert Pilot and Brianna Little George issued statements in response to President White Eagle filing suit, that would be CV 21-13, against the legislature concerning the disbursement of ARPA funds awarded to the Ho-Chunk Nation. In their statements, they defended they defended the legislators' action by saying, quote, This is nothing new and has been accepted practice since the beginning of the Constitution, unquote. As a statement of legislators voicing their opinion against the lawsuit, I have no problem with that. What I do have a problem with is their lack of citing. Under what article are they arguing? Um... I understand is this that according to the Constitution, the legislator is not allowed two bites of the apple. Once they've uh, passed the budget, that's it. They're done. Their defense rests on, well, we've always done it this way. Well, apparently we've been doing it all wrong. On August 19th, our Attorney General lays out, in his opinion... Once the legislature appropriates the funds to the executive, it's over. Their job is done. Read the opinion for yourself. Do not take my word for it. Also, I've heard a lot of people saying this is just an old married couple arguing about whose house it is while they're living in public housing. That's not what this is. This is about a president legally challenging a legislature about accepted unconstitutional practices. This is about a president fighting for his nation against a legislature that is being led around by figures behind the scene. Privately, a newly elected legislative member has admitted that they have never read our Constitution. We have an elected official leading our nation who has no idea what their job's parameters are. This question was never asked to the uh, 
candidates. The legislature never took the time to study our Constitution. The Chipotle has asked numerous times for our candidates to take the time and familiarize themselves with the requirements of the job, classes, training, schooling. We have well-meaning individuals who have absolutely no idea what the actual job entails. How is it that we have candidates who openly campaign about serving the people, helping their people, and then two weeks after they are elected, they become staunch le legislativists? They must protect the legislature's power no matter what. How does that happen in that short a time? These people don't know the Constitution, the LOA, the ERA regs, finances, or compact regulations. So they wander around until someone guides them and explains how the, legislative, how the legislature protects the people. The office, of the office of the President doesn't understand how things are done and that this is the way things have always been done. It really doesn't matter who the individual individuals are or is. What is disheartening is our lack of knowledge. But this can change. We all bemoan the fact that our youths were receiving these huge per cap checks on their 18th birthday with little or no financial knowledge and making horrific financial decisions. In an effort to counter this, the Ho-Chunk Nation instituted financial literacy requirements on all Ho-Chunks turning 18 years of age. A wise decision. Now, in a move reminiscent to the financial literacy classes, we need to institute Ho-Chunk Nation Constitution classes for all of our young people before they turn 18 years. The Ho-Chunk Nation's Constitution is the bedrock of our government, and everything involved with our government derives from our understanding of our Constitution. Way back uh, during the Pleistocene era, I went to school in Illinois. The Illinois education system used to require that everyone graduating from 8th grade had to pass a civics class that covered the Illinois State Constitution and the Federal Constitution. In high school, a civics class was also required to graduate, and this class focused mainly on the Federal Constitution. This was, and is, a brilliant idea and one that should be mandated nationwide by our government. Mandatory classes educating our youth on the nation's constitution should be part of the curriculum before they can receive their per cap. This document that our elders sweated for and put together for their people's benefits articulates the roles that each branch of our government moves about in, and this goes doubles for us laymen over the age of 18, when we have all read and understand the legal obligations, constraints, and roles the constitution affords all four branches of our government, a lot of these arguments become moot. There would be no legislative overreach because educated legislators would understand the boundaries that our Constitution set up, and in a secondary plus, our legislative council's hours would be rolled back because our legislators would understand their role and what laws and regulations they could legally write and what departmental domains they could legally participate in. If all of us, the Ho-Chunk citizens, were required to pass a class on our Ho-Chunk Constitution, three things would happen quickly. The arguments about legislative overreach would cease. Our lack of a need of a full-time legislature would soon become obviously apparent. Our legislative council's hours would be drastically cut. For all the things going wrong with our government, an educated citizenry would relieve a lot of pressure on our elected officials. Thank you.
legally before we have anybody from the uh, Ho-Chunk Nation uh, being interviewed, they have to make it very clear uh, their position on the interviews. So I just wanted to reiterate that Nathan Longtail is speaking as a Ho-Chunk Nation tribal member, not in any official capacity. One. Good afternoon, everybody. Today I have with me Nate Longtail and Officer of the President. How you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing this morning? Really, really well. Um, I guess uh, I have a couple questions for you, and um, basically they derive from uh, the financial reports. Um, at a lot of area meetings, uh, tribal members are asking um, for financial reports from the nation. Um, can you uh, kind of explain why we uh, haven't been seeing a lot of these at the area meetings? Sure, I'd love to. One of the major things that, that the executive branch is having a, a problem with is that we have a lack of a treasurer. Prior to 2020 and 2019, we were um, confirmed a treasurer at the beginning of the administration, and I want to say that that treasurer stayed with us until for about a year. After that, um, or prior to, to, to that, there was uh, the implementation of the Infralosson system. Once the Infralosson system went live around January of 2020, I'm going to say we had a lot of difficulties as far as um, a full implementation and working out the bugs and how access was controlled and how just kind of the, the reporting was going to be changing from a system that was dated back from the 1980s to an up-to-date system of today uh, so that we could use today's technology to kind of um, uh, be up with the times if you'd say so there was some there was some little some little headaches at first, and then uh, the Treasury Department, along with the Treasurer, were allowed to, um, uh, or they were they were able to provide financial reports, um, but they were very limited. Uh, as time went on, um, our Treasurer um, uh, left the nation, um, and actually was. Um, uh, I think rehired by the nation and on the legislative side. Um, but regardless of that, um, what what I wanted to kind of, I guess, talk about as far as answering your question is that in our Appropriations and Budget Act, uh, and I want to say on page nine, there's there's a section under number seven, and it's called Fiscal Accounting. And it starts out, in subsection A, unexpected funds and deficit reports. Now, these laws can be found on the Ho-Chunk Nation website, and they're available for any tribal member to look at, review, question. Um, you know, just take a look at them, and you can see them for yourself. Number one says, notwithstanding any provision of this or any other act or law, it shall be the duty of the treasurer to... And then, it, then after that, it goes on to list the different responsibilities. But the key word to that is it's the duty of the treasurer. Um, once we scroll down, and after you, if, if one has enough time to read all of this, they would scroll down until um, they get to the end of page of page 10, and it says release of financial data. 
And that's number eight. Financial information of the nation shall be considered confidential and privileged. Only financial data is explicitly provided for by this act or those financial reports expressly approved for release as a matter of law, including the Discovery Act. By resolution, motion, or contract shall be released. Financial information of the nation shall not be divulged to anyone other than the persons who have a right to know or authorized to receive such information. Then we'll go to A on that. On that, Release of financial data information to tribal members. Financial data information provided to tribal members at district area meetings shall be clearly marked for tribal use only and not for further release. Upon release of this financial information to the legislature, legislators may release the monthly financial reports to tribal members. So in B, this is where it kind of gets the reason why there's no reporting that's going out. The treasurer from time to time may be requested to produce a fiscal analysis or provide fin fiscal reports, which contain such information that the legislature desires to limit and control access. Exceptions to this policy may be authorized by written directive from the legislature, president, or general counsel. So basically what the act says is that the duty of the treasurer to release this information. The treasury department itself is mentioned but if we go over to a different law which is our um, which is in the title 5 in the business and finance code section 5 listed as the finance manual we can look on page 1 and looking at the table of contents it gives in number 5 uh, responsibilities and then that's covered on page 3 so turning to page three, I just want to read that for you on, on five, under responsibilities. There's no subsections to it. It just says the Department of Treasury, and then Treasury in parentheses, is responsible for preparing, reviewing, and or approving all financial statements of the Ho-Chunk Nation. Final approval of all financial statements lies with the Treasurer. So again, to reiterate that, without a Treasurer, without a confirmed Treasurer, at our disposal, we are not able to release financial data legally. Um, we can give updates and and possibly, you know, uh, a few different a few different reports, but we're not allowed to to do a treasury's or treasurer report per se, as what was released in the past. So I know that the business department they're able to um, release. Um, their, their kind of monthly analysis and they do do that it is it is usually sent to the finance committee on a regular basis and then they they do their own um, uh, fiscal reporting each month as, as well as the general managers and the CFOs the um the tribal membership at the area meetings has become frustrated um, and I can see why you know they 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 see the nation going through this pandemic. They wonder how our finances are. They wonder about the tribe's well-being. But in order for us to release information to the area meetings, like I said, it has to come from the treasurer, and it has to be released by a treasurer. So without a confirmed treasurer, you know, we're kind of left in the dark um, as far as all of us being tribal members at our area meetings. Um, I've I've been to several different area meetings where the question was posed, and and the response was kind of unfair to the executive branch, in my opinion. Um, the 
the usual response from the legislative reps is is that the executive branch hasn't provided reports or the treasury hasn't provided reports it's never the actual definition of the legal terms as to say by law they're not allowed to release anything to the district meetings while there's no sitting confirmed ho-chunk nation treasurer so i hope my answer wasn't too long for you shelby no 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 it's i think it's kind of important that we all understand uh the legalities that we're dealing with and can you just reiterate how long we've been without a treasurer we've had some interim treasurers um but i believe before the interim treasurer that was nominated that the nomination was accepted as in as of right now um our last one was i believe in mid um midwinter maybe 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 midwinter to early spring and then that treasurer was actually denied confirmation um for various reasons unknown there there have been quite a few nominations our confirmation processes is is really enduring for people you know um i don't know if i can if if you'd mind if i touch base on that for no no please expand on it. on it so our confirmation act you know it calls for professionals um that, that may live outside the area let's say that we had a qualified ho-chung who went to school and we'll just we'll just make up an example just for just for um, kind of understanding let's say they went to school at the university of minnesota and let's say that they while they were there they they, they networked and they found some friends and let's say they started a, a home there or at least a, a home life and maybe maybe they didn't purchase a home but they're established there and they obtain their degree they start with um uh, corporate america and they start to make a name for themselves in the financial world and let's say that we need a treasurer and we have this qualified ho-chunk that lives in the twin city area that that is overqualified for the position or or qualified just perfectly let's just say that it's just perfect and we give them a call and we say hey we'd like to we'd like to nominate you as the ho-chunk nation treasurer now this individual has to make a life choice right then and there on the spot do i let the nomination go forward um and i would like to serve my my um my ho-chunk nation people i would like to be their treasurer but i have a, I have a residence here you know i have a good job i have um I, I have a great future in front of me and what you're what the what's being offered to me is a, only a chance and if i'm nominated as an interim that means i have to start work immediately and and if i start work then i i i'm committing to leaving my my residence i'm committing to moving to black river falls where there's not really a, a whole lot of um open residential space here and once and if i have children you know that's another aspect of it that i'm going to be asking them to change schools and then i move here now after i move here um i'm now at the mercy of being confirmed and that can take place within the next 90 days so in the next 90 days um 
my whole life could be turned around and I could be I could be asked to um, or I could be simply have my confirmation denied and now I, have, I don't have any place to go I've left my home I've left my good job I don't have anywhere to go from here it's kind of a risk it's, it's really a risk for these executive director nominees to take on if they feel they had it to be to be in a position such as the treasurer um, this goes the same for like uh, our executive director of business um, our attorney general for instance our last attorney general moved from the other side of the country and you know even that that was kind of like you know there was there some type of anxiety about will I be or not be um, allowed to to stay you know will I be confirmed all those all those things that have to come into play and so the confirmation act is really unfair in my eyes on on how that it's done um, if it could be revamped you know so that so that they didn't have to put their lives on the line their livelihood on the line their children's education on the line you know it would it would help out a lot um it would help out to get um qualified individuals into because at the same time you know if let's say i wanted to to, to accept a nomination for an executive director and I'm constantly worried about the political standpoints of the nation and and what people are trying to do um, behind the scenes and with with um with with uh, with the rumors of presidential removal and if that was to take place then all of his executive directors their, their jobs would be in jeopardy again you know would they be able to stay would they be asked to leave um they're all they're all appointed so they can all be asked to leave at any given time so these are kind of the things that that weigh heavily on the minds of our executive directors um and then on top of that they're running a department um they're supervising mass number of employees they've got responsibilities in their day-to-day -day. so so this is all this kind of you know and there's no there's no welcome package too once you once you come in you know everything is is tossed at you immediately and, and your staff is looking for answers because they've been without a leader for so long and that's kind of the the name of the name of the game right now it's um uncertainty so but i just kind of wanted to expound a little bit on that and a little bit of my opinion of the confirmation act and and I hope that kind of kind of helps clear things up, or maybe sheds a different light of understanding on why it is so hard for the nation to get qualified individuals into these um, confirmed seats. No, that helps a little bit. I'm pretty sure every, a lot of us are aware of the uh, confirmation process, but um, we still have um, questions asked about the nation's finances, um, and we're left without answers. What can the uh, administration uh, do to try to help us in the in the meantime um, alleviate some of these you know misunderstandings, questions, rumors about some of the things that are going on within our nation financially? So that question again, it would it would lead back to the Department of Treasury and uh, and the Treasurer. I'm not even sure, you know. When I'm looking at these documents, I don't even see anything for interim treasurer or acting treasurer. I do see just the word treasurer. I know that in the in the in the U.S. government, um, some of the 
some of the the decisions or directives that have been handed down from the prior administration um, because they didn't have their confirmation process done by some of their employees. I know that you know they're being challenged in court now because there was there was interim interim appointees at different different places in the government. So even that, you know, if if it if it was to go to, um, I guess. If the court was to intervene and ask, you know, they might, you know, they might say the same thing. I, you know, I can't speak for them, of course, but who knows what their opinion might be as far as it, them reading the law and, and, and their simple response might be, what does the law say? The law says this. The law says a treasurer. What doesn't the law say? The law doesn't say an interim or acting. So all those kind of questions, you know, need to be kind of answered prior other than that, you know, the tribe is 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 running. It is it is a machine that's that's working. Um, our gaming sites are what produce our revenue, and you know, they've been they've been doing rather well this year. Some of them have been doing better than years prior, and we kind of wonder how can that be when they're not open twenty four hours a day. And I often wondered that. Then I started to think about it and think about the overhead that might have been taking place throughout the overnight, um, the the call for more employees, and maybe there maybe the gaming floor only had a certain amount of 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 gamers out there that really didn't justify the percentage of of incoming money at that time. You know, maybe on a maybe on a Saturday or a weekend, if you know, they, they would have that 24-hour service. Maybe it would, it would remain busy and steady throughout the night. But when we kind of look back on it, it's like, you know, maybe there was. Maybe maybe we were kind of... Um, uh, running a little or, fat. Uh, yeah, running a little fat, or maybe just the hours just weren't justifying the incoming revenue. Um, of course, we wanted to be 24 hours, and I think the goal is still to get to 24 hours. But at the same time, you know, we have to be able to make sure that... Um, we don't we don't overspend by trying to make you know minimal minimal gain. But yeah, that's that's how the from my understanding the the gaming enterprises and the revenue incoming is 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 better than years prior for some locations. And then some locations they just they've you know they've um they've still been doing well. They just um you know. Some of our locations are are remote. I would say, you know. So, you know, and we have to we have to take that into account. We can't just say, "Hey, how come you can't get people in here?" And it's like, well, you know, we're doing our best. We've got our marketing departments out there, you know, making decisions, trying to get um, uh, different promotions out there. But again, you know, it has to do with people and their disposable income at this time. Um, you know, just because, you know. Um, we, we seem like we're out of the pandemic. We're still in it, and I imagine the people out there are not as not as risky with their spending of money that are in the in the kind of smaller areas that don't live in a in a in a metropolitan area where the jobs are a little bit easier to come by. So well, there's always that aspect too. Um, we have to we have to take into consideration. And nevertheless, even even with the 
with how they're running right now, they're providing jobs. Um, they're providing jobs for tribal members, and they're stimulating those local economies by doing that. So in the large part, they're, they're doing more than what we give them credit for. So that's kind of my take on the kind of the financial situation of the nation and and like i said all those reports they're given um verbally um uh they they read over their reports at the monthly um finance committee meetings and the, and the public is welcome to listen in you know and to listen to how uh, each gm runs their runs their gaming facility then i think some every now and then the cfos they add in um if there's any questions and answers either by the legislative representatives or the president himself or even sometimes tribal members will will um will interact and try to ask a few questions and and they're just you know they're just wondering and and more power to them you know the, since we've gone virtual our tribal members have been able to participate a lot more you know tribal members from around the world you know if you're um you know if you're stationed somewhere in the military and maybe you just want to hear voices from home you know wow you know we have a technology that allows it now um even maybe they want to interact and and they should be allowed to i mean they're they're fighting for our country they're fighting for our well-being and here they are you know someplace else and they're able to listen in so you know it's it's really great what we've been able to accomplish by going virtual um i'd hate to see any setbacks that um change that in the future because i believe that um, tribal member participation is key um and in the in the past we never had that you know we had we had the meetings if you couldn't make it to the meeting it was kind of like too bad if you had an opinion um and you wanted to express it you know you would have to go to that meeting and you know some of those some of our tribal members they live in the twin cities they live in chicago we have we have over 250 tribal members that live in california so if they wanted to interact with us you know they would have to come here they'd have to walk in the door and they'd have to go sit down um listen to a, a meeting that might only last from an hour to two hours and then you know then drive back or catch a flight to back to california but now they can they're they can listen in they can interact they can do a lot of things with today's technology so this kind of i know i'm kind of jumping from subject to subject but these opinions i of mine you know i've never been able to voice publicly so. um well i don't want to keep you too much longer but um do you have any final thoughts on where we can go individually the tribal members what they can do to help um in the confirmation process or any other things that we can do to move our nation along I guess just to you know be active in their area meetings just continue um on what what you've previously been doing as far as you know the the legislature is um is a is a different branch of government um, and they have their um reasoning as to confirming and not confirming um and the people you know they you know from my understanding at different area meetings have requested you know that hey you know we like this individual you know, can he be confirmed? Can she be confirmed? Um, and you know, the tribal members are, are voicing their opinions, and a lot of the a lot of the candidates they ran on platforms that said, you know, I'm going to be the speaker for the people. The people are going to have a voice through me. And, and you know, whether or not they they uphold that that uh, 
statement they made or or not is is up to them it's not up to me or up to the child members that that are attending these meetings it's basically up to them when it comes down to it when it comes down to the, the when it's time to vote and make these votes but you know like i said i've heard that plenty of times i've attended um different uh forums where where candidates were 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 asked questions and that was one of the major things that I heard was was that hey I'm going to be here I'm going to be speaking for my people I want to represent them in a good way you know a lot of a lot of that stuff and then when it comes down to it the tribal members do express things to them and um they for some you know it kind of seems it seems from the, from the outside looking in that those requests are disregarded and and men maybe so um but as far as interaction, you know, you can always um, talk with the with the, with with the departments that you would if you if there's something that you want to see a change in, I would I would recommend reaching out to those departments, to those department heads, and and to let them know um, those executive directors say, hey, you know, I have I'm having a an issue with um with uh with this particular um, division within your department. And I think that it could be better. And they're gonna listen to your opinion and they might even act on it. Or there might be a legal process that's in place as to why it's that way. There might be, there might be some reasoning there might be some rhyme or reasoning as to why things can change. Maybe, maybe it's maybe it is that in a law that says, "Oh, we have to abide by this in order to facilitate that service for you." But, but they're still going to take in your ideas, and they can still then propose to the Department of Justice maybe a possible change in in the current law, or maybe the current law is out of date as far as um, how it applies to people of today and how how society has kind of evolved not so much humans evolving or anything like that but society is changing and and we need to keep current with that too and um, keep current with the different things that come into our come into our world come into our nation and affect our tribal members so so once they once they interact with these executive directors these executive directors if they if they can if they can see that the change is legitimate and and something that's logical, you know, they can approach their assigned attorneys and start drafting, um, you know, a resolution that could lead to a possible law change down the road to help these services for tribal members. But that's kind of that's kind of the best thing a tribal member can do. And then, other than that, you know, then they can also, you know, we encourage them to go to go to the general council meeting um, this year. You know, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how Dane County is going to um, be able to handle it at that time. I know that there's spikes in this Delta variant, um, but then I know that you know they've they've advanced quite a bit in in their testing. They've advanced quite a bit in um, in in just different aspects of care for it. But at the same time, it's it's a dangerous thing. You know, we've lost relatives over and time and time again throughout this past few years. And one could say, you know, that's the plan of the, the Almighty. And one could say that, but then there's also that precautionary measure too that, that we as human beings need to take, you know. It's like we, you know, we have a responsibility to, um, to look after our, our, our elders and our children. So there's that aspect, but, you know, interact. Do, do your best to, um, to, uh, to show up at the area meetings and to and to interact and that's and then that's only to um 
that's only available at a certain time. Maybe individuals are at work at that time too. So if they, if they can interact like that, maybe they, you know, voice it in a form of a memo to a different tribal member to read their opinion or something at an area meeting. These are just ideas, you know, I don't No, that's a good idea. You know, but I guess that's, that's the kind of, the only answer I have for that as far as what tribal members can continue doing. Um, All right. Well, I appreciate your time and um, perhaps we can get back on and talk about uh, federal grants. That would be a good topic for us to hit, I think. Sure. All right. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Um, just want to say, you got anything else for us, or are you done? No, I just wanted to thank you for um, allowing me to talk for a little bit. Um, it's uh, it's it's good. Um, so it's also my clan duty, you know, kind of be informative, be um, to our tribal membership. So um, I'm fine with it, and I'm really really glad that you let me let me take up a little bit of your day today and um or this afternoon and you know thank you thank you all very right much. nate longtail officer of the president thank you very much have a good day you too welcome back everyone well here we are with general counsel just down the road I don't have any information on what, where, and when it'll be held, but I am looking forward to it. Uh, there was a motion at a recent area meeting asking for a $150 payment to all Ho-Chunk members attending General Council. I'm totally opposed to this. We should not be paying our tribal members to perform their civic function. Why stop there, though? You know, maybe we can pay our tribal members to attend area meetings. Oh, oh wait a minute. Um... Come and think of it, the only thing we don't do is pay our tribal members to vote. I uh, think that during the latter period of the Wuhan era, we should seriously rethink a lot of the ways we conduct our civic duties. Number one, let us never entertain the thought of us being paid to vote in any and all elections. Number two, never let us pay anyone to attend area meetings anymore. And number three, let us never pay anyone to attend general council anymore. These three activities are civic responsibilities. To operate and maintain a democracy, we need people to participate freely. An educated and active citizenry is the bedrock of our government, of any government. With the Wuhan virus still a reality and meetings being conducted online, this has stopped the practice of uh, money being paid to attendees. Now, I don't know if we were, uh, still, we were still doing this, because uh, it had been a long time since I've actually showed up at an area meeting. But um, it used to happen, and didn't like it then, don't like it now. Um, and I really don't want it to be reinstituted once um, we begin going back to um, actual meetings. But uh, with the online meetings, this has shown everybody that we can conduct business without remuneration. Now, general counsel is a different animal entirely. The financial reward for attend attendance has crept up over the years, and in full disclosure, I've waited in that line for Majuda just like everyone else every time I attended. But this has to stop. We have to stop paying people to perform their civic function, and we have to stop the various departments at General Council from handing out swag. 
Swag is a silly waste of departmental money. If these departments want to promote and advertise what they do, send out emails or be a lot more active on social media. Well, one of the reasons we used to pay people to attend general council is with the help and with uh, fuel and hotel costs. Now, if you put $3 a week into a piggy bank and save from one general council to the next, there you go. You got 150 bucks. Now, if you save $4 a week, you got $200. General council, the reason we have it is to conduct uh, tribal governmental business. We as a nation, we kick the legislature around when uh, they don't do, they don't act on our resolutions. Rev, resolutions, but uh, we want to be at a general council around 6 uh, p.m. every year. Well, three minutes for individual to discuss important issues and 15 minutes of total discussion time on an issue. That's it's uh, not a lot of time to, to think about uh, issues with long-term ramifications. Um. Case in point, when we um, got rid of the general counsel agency, uh, we didn't do a lot of thinking of what happened when we got rid of it. Um, and now, come back around to bite us as the legislature's kind of stepped into that vacuum. So, we're going to need more than 15 minutes. When we gather at general counsel, we got to, you know, everybody's got to put their big boy and big girl pants on and be. Be prepared to discuss these issues at length and in depth. Uh, I remember being there until 1 o'clock in the morning sometimes because we had to get through the agenda. We just didn't uh, stop. We didn't, you know, have 10 items on the agenda and uh, stop at item 6 because it was uh, 5 o'clock. We all wanted to go home. No, we finished everything on the agenda. This um, general counsel, it's an equal arm of the government. It's executive, judiciary, legislative, and general counsel. we got to take this more seriously. Um, we don't gather for swag, a meal, and cash. We gather to discuss the future of our nation. Let's stop paying ourselves to perform our civic responsibilities. Let us show our children that general counsel and area meetings are where adults go to help guide the whole chunk nation in a direction that we want it to go.